Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs and become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening. And enjoy the show. <laughs> Good evening. I'm storyteller Otis Gyre, and I ain't your grandfather. From where I'm from, we don't do bedtime stories. And if that's what you were expecting, you're in the wrong place. If it's terrifying tales you're after, well then, I've got just the thing. Get comfortable, settle in, turn off the lights, if you dare. Your night is about to get a whole lot darker. <laughs> Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> uh, good evening. You're listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Welcome to bonus episode number seven. I'm your host, Otis Jiry. In tonight's episode, I'll be performing two stories for you about creepy clairvoyants and paranormal pets, both of them plumbed from the depths of my extensive audio archive. I sincerely hope you enjoy them and that you'll join me each and every Wednesday for more terrifying tales from my creep-filled crypt. If you'd like to show your support, and enjoy even more tales from my archives, 
visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up as a patron today at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. There you'll get access to my audio archives dating back to 2012, including one-off stories and extended episodes of my podcast, all of them ad-free. Thank you for your support. Now, it's time to take a walk together down the moonlit trail. So lock your doors, turn your lights down low, and settle in. The show's about to begin. <laughs> Our first tale of terror this evening comes to us courtesy of an author who prefers to be known by the moniker Cardboard Pizzas. In it, we'll meet Zoe, a young girl with strange, otherworldly abilities and the potential to save lives. But will anyone listen to a little girl's warning before it's too late? Stay tuned and find out. Without further ado, I present to you, My Little Sister Has an Unusual Talent. My little sister is thirteen now. Her name is Zoe. She has blonde hair, blue eyes, and she likes pop music, fashion, and other typical teenage girl stuff. I really do love her. I must have been seven or eight when she first came home. I was excited to finally see my little sister. At first, I'd been annoyed that the baby was going to be a girl, as I wanted a little brother, but I was happy when she eventually did come home. This kind of disappeared quickly, though. It was about a week since Zoe first came home. My dog, Rusty, would just not calm down. Whenever he was in the same room as Zoe, he just barked like mad at her. Eventually, as my parents were scared that he would hurt her, they got rid of him. They didn't even talk to me. I just came home one day and he wasn't there. It was only when I asked about it that my mom just casually said, Oh, we got rid of Rusty. We were worried about Zoe. Then she went back to feeding Zoe. I was confused. Both of my parents had just abandoned my dog, my best friend, in some pound somewhere, and they didn't even bother talking to me. They weren't even sorry. This was when I first started to gain some disdain towards her. It wasn't her fault, of course. If we had kept the dog, she probably would have loved him too. I just blamed her at the time. When she was one, I was kicked out of my room. We lived in a three-bedroom apartment, just on the outskirts of some big city. There was my room, where I kept all my stuff, my parents' room, which was where Joey had slept in a cot in the corner, and the tiny guest room. My parents had decided that Zoe should have her own room, but instead of refurbishing the guest room for her, they kicked me out of my room and gave it to her. Any protest I had was quickly silenced, and I could only watch as my room, my one free area that I had any say in, was transformed. Sports posters were replaced with pictures of ducks and sheep. My bed was replaced with a pink wooden cot, and everything else that made my room mine was changed. They didn't even give me my bed or my TV or anything. All of the things like that were either thrown away or became Zoe's. They refused to refurbish the guest room for me, 
and I was instead forced to make do with boring beige walls, an old metal single bed, and a single wooden dresser for my clothes. I did decorate it slightly, of course, with posters and other decorations I had managed to scavenge, but it wasn't the same. My parents seemed more concerned where any guests we had were going to sleep. This was the point where disdain turned to hatred. It seemed to me as if they had just completely forgotten about me in favor of her. Eventually, my parents decided that I was old enough to be responsible and look after Zoe while they went out. I think she was three years old, so she was old enough to speak. I really didn't want to do it, but my parents wouldn't take no for an answer. They simply left, saying that they had left some pre-made lunch for her in the fridge. There wasn't one for me, so I had to make myself something. I couldn't be bothered with looking after her all day, as there was this TV show I wanted to watch, so I just laid a blanket in the corner, put a few of her favorite toys in there, and said this to her. You need to stay in the blanket. Don't move off it, okay? If you do, Mom and Dad will be really mad, so you have to stay in here. Understand? She simply nodded her head in agreement and started playing with her toys. I was on the couch watching my shows, and my eyes flickering to her when there was a commercial break or some boring segment. At one point, as I was watching two of the characters on my show beating the tar out of each other, I felt a tugging at my trouser leg. I turned to see it was Zoe. She looked up at me, then sighed. Hungry. I told you not to come off the blanket, I said, shooing her off. She just sat back down on the blanket. I looked back to my show. It was a boring bit again. The victorious character was monologuing over some unconscious body of the loser. I couldn't just not feed her, harsh feelings aside. I got up and walked to the kitchen. As I was opening the fridge to get her lunch, I heard her say from the other room, Daddy won't come. I was confused, but not enough to stop me in my tracks. What'd you say? I asked, carrying her lunch over to her. He won't come. Come where? Here. Back. I was quite unnerved by this, but I didn't think anything of it. About a half hour later, the phone rang. I didn't check the number, assuming it was my mom, but instead, a male voice that wasn't my dad's came through the receiver. Hello, is this Daniel and Zoe? The voice sounded serious and kind of upset and disturbed. Uh, yeah, I'm Daniel. Who's this? The voice then proceeded to explain to me, nice and clearly, that there had been a traffic accident. My mom was in critical yet stable condition, but my dad was not so lucky. He'd survived the initial collision, but died on the way to the hospital. The next few hours were a blur. I just switched off the TV and stared at the blank screen as I waited for my Uncle Jared, who was married to my dad's older sister, my Aunt Louise, to pick me and Zoe up. We spent the next few days at his house. My aunt was inconsolable. I was just dull. I didn't speak. I barely left the bedroom I was in. Zoe was too young to grasp the situation, but they said that she understood that Dad was gone. 
The only thing I was thinking of until my mom came out of the hospital and we could go back to home was what Zoe had said to me. It was as if she somehow knew what was going to happen. I didn't forget about it. It got to the point where it was unnerving to be in the same room as her. Another similar incident didn't come until much later, however. A year, to be exact. It was a nice sunny day. We all went for a walk in the park, me somewhat reluctantly, as by this point we had decorated my new room and I had a TV, which I had plugged a PS2 into. My mom held my sister's hand, and I walked slightly behind, hands buried in my pockets, and generally wishing to be home. It was all quiet, nobody really speaking, when Zoe pointed to an inconspicuous-looking guy in a hoodie. All she said was, "'There's a bad man over there.' My mum turned to look. A man in a grey sweatshirt stood by a fountain. He was staring at his feet, hands in his pockets. I looked, too. Something about him did seem rather off, but I didn't think much of it. It was later on, when we had left the park and we were in the car on the way home, that I remembered how she had predicted Dad's death. I leaned over to her. Zoe, what did you say about the man in the park, the bad man? She turned to me. Her face was covered in chocolate from the chocolate bars Mum had given us. The man had a knife. He was sad about something. He wanted to change it. She then turned back to look out the window. I was just frozen. He was sad about something. He wanted to change it? I wanted to ask my mum to call the police, but I knew she'd find it ridiculous. I just stared out my window, too. The next morning, I was up before anyone else. I saw the local newspaper had arrived, so I picked it up to put it on the coffee table for mum to read. As I did, I glanced at the front page headline and I dropped the paper and almost jumped back in horror. Family of five stabbed to death in home. Beneath it was a mugshot, a man in a gray sweatshirt. It was then that I realized Zoe had a talent. I stopped being distant and uncaring of her, and instead listened carefully to what she had to say about anything, asking her about random things that we saw. I would write down anything I found particularly interesting in a notebook I kept in my room. There wasn't anything major. She worked out when the goldfish was going to die, but that was the biggest thing. I eventually worked out that she could only make predictions linked to deaths. When she was six, something big happened. She was watching some little girl TV show, eating crisps, when the phone rang. She turned to face my mom's boyfriend, David, as he picked up the phone. Oh no, she said. I was on the other side of the couch, reading a comic book. I looked over to her, expecting that something had just happened on the show, but she was staring at David. What is it? I asked. Grandpa, she said, still looking. I froze. I could feel in my gut that this was another prediction. We watched David talk on the phone. Yes? Oh, my God, really? Jesus. Uh, I'll tell Kathy. Okay, goodbye. And then he hung up. 
He noticed that both of us were looking at him, and a sunken look came over him. Oh, jeez, kids. That's some bad news. I knew that what he was going to tell us even before he said it. Grandpa had passed away in his sleep. Mum was sad, and Zoe was sad. I tried to be sad about Grandpa, and I was. I was just more amazed and creeped out at Zoe. How'd she do it? That was the last prediction for a long time. I eventually forgot about it, just chalking it up to coincidence. Last week, I got a phone call. Checking the caller ID, I saw that it was Zoe. I hadn't spoken to her in about a month, so I was pretty happy to see her name on my phone. I took the call. Hi, Zoe, how are you? Dan, are you there? I need to talk to you. Are you, are you alone? My girlfriend was sitting next to me, watching TV. Hold on, I'll move, I said, standing up. My girlfriend looked at me. Who is it? Oh, it's just my sister. I need to talk in the other room. She just shrugged and turned on back to the TV. I closed the door to my bedroom behind me. I need you to listen to me. I got a terrible feeling, as if I knew something was going to happen. You and Megan should get out of your house. Go to a hotel or something. Just get out of there. I couldn't speak. Not only did she predict something again, but she was aware of the seriousness of the situation. Meagerly, I managed to say, Okay, thank you. I hung up. Then I rushed back into the room where my girlfriend was sitting, watching the TV. Megan, we need to leave. Why? What's wrong? My sister had another prediction. We could be in danger. I'd told her about the predictions. She never believed any of it, or chalked it up to mere coincidence. Are you kidding? I'm not going anyway because your 13-year-old sister thinks we should. I told you about her predictions. This is serious, I shouted. After an hour of bickering and arguing, she finally agreed to leave. We went to a nearby hotel, booked a room for one night, and went to sleep. The next morning, I got a call from the neighbor. He said our house had been broken into, but nothing was taken. I told my girlfriend, and she was utterly dumbfounded. How the hell does she know? was all she said. We talked to the police, and I called my neighbor and told him to call the police if they returned. We stayed at the hotel again that night. When morning came around, I was awoken by my phone ringing. It was the police. We went to the police station, and apparently Megan's mentally unstable ex-boyfriend broke into our house with a knife. They'd arrested him when the neighbor called the police. It was obvious to all of us what he was going to do. My girlfriend hadn't said a thing. She was just completely blown away by what my sister had done. Without her, I would probably be dead. I talked to my sister about it, and all she said was this one thing. I could see your bodies lying on the bed. You were next to Dad, Grandpa, and five other people I didn't know. I never felt more haunted than I did after hearing her say that. Nobody else believes it. Even my girlfriend is still skeptical. But I know for sure that my sister has a gift.
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I hope you enjoyed My Little Sister Has an Unusual Talent by Cardboard Pizzas as performed by yours truly. Up next, we've got one final round of frightening fiction for you. Our next terrifying tale comes to us from author Christopher Maxim. In it, a home is haunted by an unseen entity, scratching at their pantry door as if it wants to be set free. But what's on the other side? And what does it want? Will anyone be brave enough to confront it? Stay tuned and find out. Without further ado, I present to you The Monster in the Pantry. I have found many times in my life that strange occurrences are a staple in human culture. Ghostly apparitions, UFOs, Bigfoot, and others are all prominent in our lives one way or another. You may not think of them all that often, but eventually there is a story in the news or a tidbit of information from a friend or a passerby that makes you recall such oddities. At some point or another, no matter how many times you forget about the subject, you will think of it again. I had forgotten all about the monster living in my mom's pantry for several years. I had forgotten all about it, that is, until now. I was only ten years old when I first had been told about the monster. It was a normal evening at my house. My mom and I waited for my father's arrival, and I helped her cook dinner. I look back on these memories fondly as I enjoyed my mother's company and was delighted whenever my father came home each night. I had a picture-perfect childhood, save one peculiarity. Whatever resided in the pantry would reveal itself, if only audibly, that very night. I was cutting vegetables up for my mom's famous beef and barley soup when I heard a scratching at the pantry door. I jumped and nearly cut off one of my fingers in the process. My mom looked over at the pantry, then looked at me with a concerned smile. I looked to her for an answer, seeing as I had no private theories on the matter. We had just come from the pantry and shut the door. There was nothing in there at the time, and nothing could have made its way in after. Rats, maybe? No, no. The noise was far too loud to be such a small animal. My thoughts were put to rest when my mom spoke. There it goes again, scratching at the pantry door. What is it, Mom? I asked, still confused. I can't be certain, sweetie, but it's been there ever since we moved in. 
Sometimes it scratches at the door, other times it knocks food off the shelves. Some nights it doesn't make a sound at all. I was bewildered and scared at the same time. My mother noticed this. It's nothing to be scared of, honey. Is it a m monster? Though my mother's words were comforting, I could not be certain that they were true. No, of course not. Just then, the scratching started up again. I jumped for a second time. My mother then walked over to the pantry door. I was scared for life. Here, look. She opened the door as the scratching continued. Just as the door became ajar, the noise ceased. See, sweetie? It's just as scared of you as you are of it. There's nothing to be afraid of. No matter what my mom said, my ten-year-old heart couldn't help but race. I was afraid and couldn't help it. For years, I continued to help my mother cook, but I never once set foot back in that pantry. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I was convinced that the thing living in there was a monster. The fear was kept alive by the occasional sounds of whatever was in there. I would try to ignore it, but sometimes I would have to leave the kitchen. Eventually, the noises stopped altogether. It's been many years since then, and both my parents have passed away. My mother died of a heart attack, and my father died just weeks later of lung cancer. He always did have a bad habit of smoking, even in the house. It was expected, as I had been in and out of hospitals for many months, visiting the two of them. In their wills, I was left the house as I was their only child. It took me quite a while to come to terms with their deaths, especially living in the house that we had spent so much time together in. Although difficult, I did eventually accept the situation, and it became a whole lot easier to cope. The house itself no longer reminded me of their deaths, but instead reminded me of little memories here and there that would put a smile on my face. Sometimes I would even walk into the living room and see my dad sitting on the chair, smoking a cigarette and watching TV. I would sometimes still see my mom cooking in the kitchen and getting ready for dinner. These were the little things that kept me going each day. I actually enjoyed living in that house again, until one day. I had just gotten home from work when it happened. I sat down in my dad's chair and flipped on the TV to unwind. A thought then crossed my mind, aside from the tobacco. I had actually become my father. Thinking of that actually made me smile. And this is when I heard an all-too-familiar scratching noise coming from the pantry door in the kitchen. My smile quickly vanished. I jumped up and walked out to the kitchen to investigate. The scratching continued and became louder. I looked at the pantry door, hoping an answer would jump out at me but also hoping that whatever was in there wouldn't do the same. Of course, neither of these things happened, forcing me to actually open the door. I hesitantly did so as the scratching went on. Much to my anticipation, the noises ceased, and I found nothing behind the door but empty shelves and an old broom. This is exactly what happened when my mom opened the door years ago. She, however, had the shelves fully stocked, I think I subliminally stayed away from the pantry, having been so scared of it as a child. 
My food remained in the cabinets and fridge, with absolutely nothing in the pantry itself. I was no longer a frightened child, but the return of the scratching noises was still unsettling, not to mention bothersome. I didn't hear it for years before this, but now it happened every day, like clockwork. As soon as I got home from work, there was scratching. Sometimes I would even wake up in the middle of the night to the sound of it. It would not stop until I opened the pantry door. Then, of course, the noise would cease, and I would find nothing behind the door. This routine continued for almost a year, but one night something changed. I was lying in bed trying to sleep when the scratching sound started up once more. I groaned in anger, not wishing to leave the comfort of my bed for anything, much less that damn noise. Because of this, I did not get up right away to open the pantry door. I just laid there as tired as ever. After a few minutes, something odd happened. The sound of scratching had stopped. Now, don't get me wrong, this was great. I didn't want to leave my bed anyhow, but the noise had never done this before. I was curious as to why. I got up out of bed and ventured down to the kitchen on the hunt for answers. What I saw alarmed me. The pantry door was wide open. This could not be. I had shut it earlier that night when I got home from work, the first time I heard the noise that day. I quickly turned the pantry light on to reveal absolutely nothing. For the first time since I was a child, I was frightened of the monster living in the pantry. Whatever it actually was, I think it had escaped. I scoured the house in fear for almost an hour, looking for whatever it was that had gotten loose. I was scared, actually scared. After going through every last room in the house, I took a deep breath and collected my thoughts. What was I doing? This was ridiculous. I was on the hunt for something imaginary. Sure, there was scratching on the door every night, but maybe it was a large rat or a raccoon. Maybe I actually did leave the door open the last time I heard the noise. Who knows? I managed to calm myself down as I made my way back to the kitchen to close the pantry door. And that's when I noticed something that I had not seen previously. There were deep scratch marks on the inside of the door, those were never there before. Even as a child, my mom had checked for any markings in the wood, and there were none. What was happening here? I backed up into the living room in awe, keeping my eyes on the pantry door and its mysterious scratch marks. I rubbed my eyes a few times to make sure I wasn't seeing things. I even pinched myself to make sure I wasn't dreaming. Surely enough, it was all too real, and I had no explanation for it. After a few more seconds of private confusion, I watched as a figure ran into the pantry at high speed and shut the door behind it. I was flabbergasted. I couldn't make out what the figure was, but I ran over to the pantry and opened the door to find out. With my heart racing, I opened the door and turned the light on. Once again, I found nothing. I quickly shut off the light, shut the door, and piled a bunch of stuff in front of it, including my dad's chair. I ran up to my bed and hid under my covers as if I was a kid again, scared to death of the monster living in my mom's pantry. 
my late-night adventure had come to an end. After the adrenaline and fear tapered off, I was able to get some sleep. I woke up and pretended that nothing had happened the previous night. I just did what I usually did, put on my clothes, brushed my teeth, ate some breakfast, and headed off to work. I tried to keep the pantry and its resident as far from my thoughts as possible. Throughout the day, I found it hard to focus. I could barely function properly, let alone get any work done. My boss noticed this and asked me if I wanted to leave early and get some rest. I almost shouted the word no at him, begging him to let me stay. I wanted to be nowhere near my house. Luckily, he obliged. Even though I was able to stay at work, I had to clock out eventually. Despite my tiredness, the day went by too quickly, and I found myself home once again. I dreaded it. Even the memories of my parents could not help me now. I wanted nothing to do with this cursed house anymore. Despite my inner outburst, I still opened the front door and walked in. I was greeted with the sound of scratching. At this time, it was louder than it ever had been before. The scratching quickly turned into a thunderous banging at the pantry door. The things I had piled in front of it were actually moving a bit. Whatever it was that was in there really wanted to get out this time. I was as scared as I had been the night before, but I was also sick of the ordeal. I was being pushed beyond my means, and I needed it all to stop. I walked over to the pantry and removed the items I'd piled in front of it. The banging continued. It took a moment to mentally prepare myself. After a few seconds, I swung the door open. There, sitting behind the door, was a dog. It just sat there and looked up at me in confusion. I looked at it in the same manner. How could this be? After giving me a once-over, the dog walked over to me and nuzzled up against my leg. Naturally, I reached down and petted it, just like I would a normal dog. This dog was not normal. After a few minutes of getting to know each other, the dog walked back into the pantry and vanished before my very eyes. It, it was a ghost. My fear was no longer existent. I would come home to the sound of scratching at the pantry door and I would smile. I now opened the door not to see nothing behind it, but instead to let my new friend out. He'd walk around the house and explore like a normal dog, and he would even sit down and watch television with me from time to time. Whenever someone came over, however, he would vanish. He seemed to be the shy type. The house was pretty old and had quite a few owners before my parents, so I assumed this little guy was the ghost of a dog that previously lived here. I guess he just couldn't let go of the place. Neither could I, especially now. After a few weeks of playing and bonding with the dog, I realized I had nothing to call him. I walked over to him and began petting him on the neck. That was his favorite spot. I thought about it for a moment and then came up with the perfect name. I will call you... Monster. I hope you enjoyed The Monster in the Pantry by Christopher Maxim, as performed by yours truly. 
If you'd like to support indie horror and author Christopher Maxim, visit Amazon.com and pick up a copy of his book, How to Exit Your Body and Other Strange Tales, today. In Chris's collection of seven short, scary tales, you'll get answers to questions such as, could there be more than 24 hours in a day? Is it possible to use cheat codes on an Ouija board? And what is the meaning of life? Search for it by name on Amazon.com. That's How to Exit Your Body and Other Strange Tales, or visit simplyscarypodcast.com slash exit, spelled E-X-I-T. As an Amazon affiliate, Visiting that link supports us by allowing us to collect a small fee if you decide to make a purchase on Amazon afterwards. Thanks for your support of this program, our authors, and of indie horror. I'd like to personally thank you for joining me for this bonus episode of Scary Stories Told in the Dark, part of a new series in which I share a handful of the creepy tales from my extensive audio archive, with you each and every Wednesday. If you enjoyed what you've heard, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference and would mean a lot to us. If you'd like to hear more content from my archive, as well as premium extended editions of my regular episodes featuring twice the terror, Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at chillingtalesfordarknights.com where you can purchase season passes for this podcast and our other quality storytelling programs. Or become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, all of it ad-free. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest episodes and updates, and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You can subscribe to me on YouTube as well, at the Otis Gyrie channel, where you'll find releases of my series, Horror Storytime, dating back to 2014. And you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. Just search for Otis Gyrie. Until next time, stay spooky and get some sleep, if you can. <laughs>
If you're looking for some fresh tales on a daily basis while waiting for the next podcast, check out my YouTube channel, the Otis Jiry channel, and my extensive collection of narrated tales there. Simply search on YouTube by my name and you'll find me. And don't forget to subscribe and press the bell notification icon to get my latest releases. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at otis at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of this show. That's O-T-I-S at simplyscarypodcast.com. If you've enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and other programs and my channel. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for CTFDN as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every Wednesday. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next Wednesday with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. But that's all right. Who needs sleep anyway? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.